Good morning, everyone. Get out of Shabbos. Continue with 37b, fourth chapter in Gitin, the fourth line from the bottom. So the mother asks, Lerov, according to Rav, the we had an argument between the rabbis and Shimon Gamliel, a slave, a non Jewish slave that was kidnapped and redeemed. So it depends if he was redeemed in order to go remain a slave, then he remains a slave. If he was redeemed in order to be free, then he's free. Shimon Gamliel argues, and the rabbis say, no, either way. He remains a slave. So the question was, if the owner, if the owner gave up, if the owner did not give up hope, then even if they redeemed him for the sake of being free, why should he be free? I mean, he, he, the owner, he belongs to the owner. Yeah, exactly, exactly. If the owner did not give, if the owner did give up hope, if the owner did did give up hope. Then, um, then, then even if he, then even if he, you redeem him, redeem him to remain a slave. The owner gave up hope. He gave up. So why is he still a slave? So Rava said, Rava explained that's really he's talking about the owner gave up hope. He says if he redeems in order to be a slave, he's a slave, it means not to the original owner. The original owner abandoned him, he gave a pope. It means a slave to the ones who redeemed him. Gamliel argues because he holds that if that's the case, but if, but if they redeem him to free him, then he's free. But then every slave will just, will just uh, make sure, orchestrate that he should be kidnapped. Knowing that if his owner will give up hope, his owner will give up hope, then he'll um, he'll be free. That's why they said either way he's a slave to those he's, to those who redeem him. The question is a little Where did they acquire him from? How did they acquire him? What do you mean he becomes a slave to those who redeem him? How he belongs to to the master. But, and the master gave up hope. So how, how, in, how in the world do they acquire him? How do they affect an acquisition? Be from the master. The master, the ransomer, those who pay ransom, acquire it from the master. You have to say, you have to say from the captor. They're redeeming from the captor, and now like they're buying the slave. They're buying the slave. But the, the, the captor doesn't own the slave. He kidnapped the slave. He kidnapped the slave. Doesn't owe it. So, how, so how, how does the ransomer acquire the slave? It's like stolen property. Yeah. So the mother says, yeah. The captor did acquire the slave in respect to the slave's work. And therefore, the ransomer requires, acquires that right from, from the captor. It says down here the Gemara is referring to the captor as is a non-Jew, a boy. Because the Gemara will explain how, how this happens. Because the master gave up hope, so the, now the captor acquires him not a full-fledged slave, but 
Rufur's handiwork. Well, how how does this work? Shlagin Shlagin says, "Minai, how do we know Levi How do we know that if someone a goy, a nunju, buys um, buys another nunju, he can buy him and own him for his for his labor?" Shenemer says, "It says that who are you, if you have to wipe out all the Canaanites, who are you allowed to?" Who's going to be your slaves or your servants? So he says, from the children, from those who immigrants, the immigrants who come to you, from the immigrant population in the land of Canaan, from them you can acquire a slave. So what do we see? You can acquire them, Jews can acquire idolaters as slaves. We go after the father. No, the, the, the mother is, is a local, but the father is an immigrant. Married a local woman, so the children, the children, you can acquire a slave. We continue on 38a. But they cannot acquire one of you. The Nandru cannot acquire Jews as slaves. And nor can they acquire one from the other. You can buy them as a slave, but they cannot buy you as a slave, and they cannot buy from each other. And we learn this. Because it already said earlier, from them you should buy a slave and a, sla- and a, and a slave woman. Why does the Torah have to repeat again? Mehem tiknu. It's an extra word, redundant. So it's come to teach us to emphasize mehem. You can buy from them, but they cannot buy from each other, and, you, and they cannot buy you. You would think that idolaters cannot acquire one from the other. What do you mean, Yachalik I would think. Ahmed, he just said, Yes, he just said that they can't. This is what the Braisa means. They don't acquire each other like a total mastery, that they are their total slave. You would think that they can't acquire them at least, that the, the, the handiwork or the creative work shouldn't belong to the master. So, 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 so that's what he said. Yeah, say you learn it out from uh, it's logically compelling argument if, if an idolater can acquire a Jew for his labor surely he can acquire another non-Jew for his labor a Jew can sell himself into slavery for a non-Jew for his labor it's not like his property it's not like he owns him it's considered his property but he could acquire a limited ownership of the Jew. So, um, if a Jew could be acquired that way, surely a non-Jew and a non-Jew could acquire each other that way. Acquire them for the labor. If a Jew who can totally acquire the non-Jew as his property as a full slave... And nevertheless, and the, but a non-Jew cannot acquire a Jew as his property. And nevertheless, the Jew could have, could be acquired for his handiwork. How much more so that um, that the non-Jew could also acquire that the non-Jew could be acquired for his work, and even a non-Jew could acquire acquired for his work. Let's say Hanimila Bekaspa. Say this is the only if you acquire him by buying, by capturing him. 
by forcing him into captivity. Maybe that doesn't acquire that, that, That's not uh, yes. You you're you're chazaka. You're you're uh, behaving like he's your slave. You're forcing him to be your slave. You took him into captivity, but maybe that doesn't acquire it. Only if you pay money for him, for his for to acquire the ownership of his hand handiwork. But not the captors. says, says that the Jewish people were not allowed to capture Amunamoyah. So how were they allowed to capture Sichon and Oig? Because Sichon and Oig first captured the land from Amunamoyah. So now it belongs to the Sichon and Oig. Sichon and Oig, I can conquer. I can conquer Amunamoyah. But they purified it. In other words, they took it away. So just like Sichon acquired those lands by capture, so an idolatry could also acquire, acquire the handiwork of a non-Jew by capture. Now the Gemara says, wait a minute, okay, we find one non-Jew to another non-Jew. You can acquire ownership by capture, just like we learned from Sichon and Oig. One non-Jew to another non-Jew. They captured Amun and and they purified it allowed the Jews to be able to conquer it from them. So too, one idolater and another idolater. But where do you learn that you can acquire ownership of a Jew by capture? So a Canaanite slave is like a Jew in a sense, in a half a Jew. He's like obligated to do mitzvahs. He's like a semi-convert. So one guy to another guy, fine. If you capture a guy, yes, the capturing itself, already acquire it for his handiwork. But how, can, how, how do you know that if you acquire a Canaanite, a Jewish Canaanite slave, which is like a semi-Jew, like, how do you know that you, that capturing is effective? The Gemara answers, the Chesivit says, says the Canaanites heard and they made war with Israel and took a captive. So the title refers to the Jew as captured as a captive, that they are now owned by the captives. So you see that through captivity you own it. There's an ownership. Now I own your handiwork. So that's why the captors own the handiwork. That's what Rava would explain. And now that you, um, and now that you redeem them in order to be a slave, now they become the slave of the person who redeemed them. Not a full-fledged slave, but a slave that they own this handiwork. And they acquire that from the captor. A slave that runs away and runs away from prison. A Jewish Canaanite slave runs away from prison. He goes free. He doesn't have to go back to his Jewish master. Because we assume that the owner gave up hope. So now that he flees his captor, he's free. No one redeemed him. He ran away on his own. So now he belongs to no one. He's free. He doesn't belong to his captors. His handiwork belongs to his captors. His owner already gave up hope in him, his master. So he's free. Not only that, we force his master. He has to write him a bill of emancipation. So we're talking about if he, was, he this is a Canaanite who converted. He went to went to the mikveh and a circumcision. So we force him 
we force his master to free him so he should be able to marry a Jewish woman. Because even though he's like a semi-camera, he still has a status of a slave. He can't marry a Jew until he's freed. So we need the master to give him a bill of emancipation. It doesn't help that the owner gave up hope in him. He's still, he's still not a full-fledged Jew. He's still not obligated to all 613 mitzvahs. He's only obligated in the mitzvahs that a woman is obligated. So therefore, we force the master to free him so he should be a full-fledged Jew. The owner gave up hope so he's no longer under his financial control. But it still doesn't make him fully emancipated until his master writes him a bill, a get, a bill of emancipation, a get shichri. We learned in our mission of Shem Gamliel and stop. Shem Gamliel says, either way, yes, he's a slave. Because we don't want him to, to just, to use, he'll, he'll just use this, employ this tactic. Every slave will make sure, orchestrate, they should get the cap captured, and then, and then they'll be, the owner will give up hope, and then they'll be freed. Whatever it says in the mission, means the law follows him. Throughout all six orders of the mission. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Chutz, but there's three exceptions. Arev, Vitsidin, Urayachrena. We, we didn't get to it yet. These three arguments is Arev about the, about the guarantor. Right, it's Sidon. Later on in the tractor, we're going to learn about a get written in Sidon, the city of Sidon. We're going to learn in Sanhedrin whether you overturn a decision. So, those three, we don't follow the opinion of Shimon Gamliel. Okay, so it means in our mission, we follow the opinion of Shimon Gamliel. So, all is well and good according to Abaye Mukhalalalalalalalalalalalalalalalalalalalalalalalalalalalalalalalalalalalalalalalalalalalalalalalalalalalalalalalalalalalalalalalalalalalalalalalalalalalalalalalalalalalalalalalalalalalalalalalal
And the reason why he's a, he's a slave, meaning he's a slave to his rents, to his redeemers, for, for the handiwork. Or he goes free. And Rosh Hashim says, no, either way, he has to be a slave to the, to the his ransomers for his handiwork, because otherwise every slave will, will, uh, will extricate himself from slavery by, by falling into the hands of the captives and, and, and the owner will give up hope and then he'll be free. contradicts himself. Because here, Rabbi Echanan said that if he's a captive and he's in prison and then he escapes, he's free. Here, Rabbi Echanan himself said the law follows Rabbi Shimon Gamliel. He shouldn't be free. If he's going to be free, then everyone will fall into captivity, go into jail and run away, and then he's a free person. He has a way out, yeah. So Amalek Rabbi says, no, my time, my Chizkiah. What's the reasoning of Rabbi Shimon Gamliel? Because like Chizkiah says, Chizkiah said that every slave is going to fall into the hands of the captives and therefore he's going to be redeemed and his owner will give up on be redeemed and be free. But Bedeir, Shiny, we're talking about a unique case. Someone is escapee. How many prisoners succeed in escaping from prison? One, one in a thousand, if you're lucky. So this is an unusual case. Unusual case, you don't have to make a, an enactment for this unusual case. Enactments are made for usual cases. The usual cases, he'll think to himself, I'll, I'll become a captive, and then someone's going to redeem me. That's more likely. But what are the likelihood I'm going to go into a captive and I'll, I'll rot in jail? I can't, I'm not going to escape, because if I'm redeemed, I'm going to go right back, right back to my master. So what did I accomplish? I accomplished nothing. If I escape, it's so unlikely that, that you don't have to worry, you don't have to make an enactment. Let him be free. You don't worry. Well, if you're going to free him, then every slave is going to be in prison and then he's going to escape. No, 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 no one escapes. Hardly anyone escapes. A captive slave is in risk. He has to risk his life in order to escape. Because if they try to escape and they catch him, what are they going to do? They're going to kill him. They're going to shoot him. It's very risky to try to escape. Most people don't succeed, and then they can be shot in the process. So no slave is going to say to himself, let me capture him, let me be captured. Then I'll, I'll release myself from prison, and then I'll, I'll escape from prison, and then I'll be free, free from my master. No, what are the chances? You're taking a big risk, a big gamble. You may be shot in the process. You may, you may not succeed in your escape. And not only are you not going to succeed, you're going to die. He's not going to say, let me, let me be captured in, in order I should escape, in order to be free. Yeah, you may be captured and trying to escape, you're going to die. So, so therefore, you, have not, you don't need to make any enactment. So if he does succeed, and he does escape, let him be free, no problem. But if he's redeemed, then he goes back to his master. He shouldn't accomplish anything. But it says, I'm the Marshmallow, the boy, Canaanite slave woman of the master's school, taken captive. A Canaanite slave woman, the master Shmuel, was taken captive. Jews ransomed her in order she should become back a slave. Tell the story. I'm sitting with Shmuel. The boy, the the slave woman of Shmuel, was taken captive. Some Jews ransomed her in order she should be a slave woman. and they send her back to him. To, to, to her master, to Shmuel, Sholchele, and they mess, they send this following message. We hold like Gamliel, who holds that either way, no matter what their intent is, she goes back to her master. At 
you, even if you hold like the rabbis of this, you should know, even according to the rabbis, we're sending it back to you. Why? Because we redeemed her in order for the sake that she should be a slave woman. Then even the rabbis agree that she goes back to her master. And they hold that this was before years, the only did not give up hope. And therefore, they're following Abaya's opinion. This is Abaya's opinion. That which master is talking about them only to not give a pope? And which master did he send her back to? To the original master. But the truth is, they made a mistake. Because it was Lacha Yishab, the owner, they didn't know Shmuel gave a pope already. And if Shmuel gave a pope, according to Abaya, everyone agrees that, 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 that she's free. Shmuel himself, not only. Not only didn't he enslave her because he had already given a pope. He doesn't even require a bill of emancipation. She's completely free. She is a full fledged Jewess. Shmuel, Shmuel following his reasoning. Someone who frees is a slave goes free and doesn't require a bill of emancipation. Not only doesn't work, anymore, not only is he financially free. But he's a full-fledged, he or she is a full-fledged Jewish. Remember, it says, says in the Pasuk, It says, every slave of a man who was purchased, purchased with money. Laws of the carbon Pesach. The laws of the carbon Pesach, that every slave of a man who you purchase with money, so you, the, the master has to circumcise it. Otherwise, he can't bring a carbon Pesach. Everyone in this household has to be circumcised. The question is, why only a slave of a, of a man? How about a slave of a woman? What's the difference? Ella, rather, if the master has mastership over him, financial control over him, Evadish. But a slave whose master doesn't have control of him is not called a slave. That means he's not a slave of a man. If he's not a slave of a man, if he's financially not owned by a man, then, 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 then he's free. He's not a slave. He's automatically free. That's what he means. It doesn't mean evadish, a man and not a woman. Of course, it makes no difference. A Canaanite slave, a non-Jewish slave, a man or a woman, have the same law. But he means to emphasize, Eved is, that he has to belong. The master has, has control over him. Financially, if he's free from him, he has no control over him, then he's no longer a slave. And he becomes, or she, or she becomes a full-fledged Jewish. The slave, the slave woman of Rabbi Abba was captured. Parka, an idolatrous, an idolater, Tarmadoyin, from the nation of Tarmadoyin, ransomed her to take her as his, as his wife. To take her as his wife. The rabbi sent Rabbi this message. If you want to do right and help free her from this buyer, send her a document of emancipation. And then she won't be able to bury a non Jew. So your mother says, Hey, Chidam, what, what, what are we talking about? If the rabbis were capable of ransoming her, why does Rabbi have to send her a bill of emancipation? 
they could have redeemed her with the intent to return her to Rababa. Why would Rababa have to emancipate her? If they're capable of ransoming her, you have a simple solution. You want to save her from marrying this, this, this Tamradoi, this bum, no problem. Redeem her and send her back to her master. To Rabbi Abba. If they weren't capable of ransoming her, how does it help? How is Rabbi Abba sending her a document of emancipation? How is that going to help secure her release? So he might have said, Really, the rabbis could have ransomed Even the Meshadale, Gita the Chirusa, once her Baba would send her a bill of emancipation, the local Jews would be inspired to come together and raise the funds to ransom her. But I ask, what, what if the Goy redeemed her, ransomed her? He wanted to marry her as a Goy. He redeemed her to marry her. What's it going to help for Baba to send her a bill of emancipation? If the guy is willing to get money for, in exchange for her, so let so give him money. If he can't, if, if he doesn't agree, well, he can't afford. He doesn't. If he doesn't agree, what's it going to help the bill of Rabbi's bill of emancipation? He'll hold on to her, he'll keep her, and he'll marry her. And she's a half Jewish. They wanted to help her. They wanted to. So what does a bill of divorce help? So what I answered, really, the guy is willing to accept money. But they asked Rabbi Abba to send, because only if they send, only if they're going to send, if Rabbi Abba will send the bill of emancipation, she becomes a full-fledged Jewess, then, only then would they bother to redeem her. They, hold, they don't hold like Rabbi Shimon Gamliel. Shimon Gamliel holds that we have an obligation to redeem even Canaanite slaves or non-Jewish slaves. Or semi-converts. Rabbi Shimon Gamliel says only if, uh, yeah, you're obligated to redeem, but the rabbis say no. So the, the local people held like the rabbis. You're only obligated to Jew, a full-fledged Jewess. She's not a full-fledged Jewess, so we're not going to bother. But if you're going to redeem her, if you're going to send her a bill of emancipation, now she becomes full, a full-fledged Jewess, now we're going to bother and we'll redeem her and, 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 and he'll accept payment and we'll help her. You might say, if you want, I'll give you another explanation. Really, they couldn't redeem her. Or, or he wasn't willing to, to get any money. He wanted her for his wife. She was beautiful. He wanted her. Once he, has he, to make her, he has to set her free. First he has to set her then free. Mitz- no, no. We're talking that that's the first answer. The second answer, he doesn't agree. He doesn't want he doesn't he doesn't want no, he bought her already, he ransomed her. He's not he's not willing to sell her. He wants to keep her as his wife. But once he once he sends a bill of the document of emancipation, she will become cheapened in his eyes. And then he would allow her to be ransomed. In other words, a Jew, he doesn't want to marry a Jew, a Canaanite, a slave, a semi, semi-Jew he can live with, but so to marry a full fledged Jew. He ain't gonna want him. Exactly. Oh, and then man. he'll be willing, he'll, he wants his money back, then he'll be willing now to he he do it. Exactly. Rashi well. says now he would be ashamed, it would be embarrassing, and now it would become public knowledge that he was once a slave. He doesn't Jewish want to. slave. Yeah, a Jewish slave. He doesn't want anyone to know his wife was a free Jewish slave. It's a now he will be willing to redeem her. Okay.
So just because she was identified now will become public knowledge that she was a former slave woman, why would he mind? Why why would that be why would that get him to agree to uh, to sell her? Not ashamed with bestiality. Surely he's not going to be, he has no shame. So if he has no shame, a person who has no shame, doesn't blush, has no shame, then why will he, he won't have any shame. So he won't, he won't be ashamed, embarrassed that his wife was a former, uh, former slave woman, a Jewish slave woman. So your mother says, honey, it's only in private. He has no shame in private. He doesn't care. But if it's public knowledge, then he's, he's, he's embarrassing. Not because he's embarrassed because of the principle. It's just it's just a bad PR. It's not nice. You'd be embarrassed if people knew that she was a slave woman. He mother says, "Ahi, I'm from There was a I'm Sadabu from Petisa. There was a Jew, a Canaanite, an un-Jewish slave woman living from Petisa. That would come out to me in Jesuda. The people were performing sinful acts. It was promiscuous with her. If not, for what Rabbi Huda said, the name of say that if you slay free you Canaanite, an un-Jewish slave, you violate a positive commandment that says, they should be a slave forever. If not for that, have a kayafna the money, I would force it, master, because of the Gita the Chirus, to write her a bill of emancipation to free her. Once she's free, she can marry a Jew, would guard her from sinning from other men. But here, since she can't marry a Jew, so she's open, she's, she's open season. Argus, Ravina says. Avina argues with Abayah. Avina says, made that In a case like this, even Abi Huda would agree that it's allowed. You're allowed to free her. You're not violating any provision. They have to stay forever. Because, because, because of the prohibited acts. So it's like a mitzvah. In the case of a mitzvah, like to make a minion, they, they freed a slave to make a minion. They had nine Jews, they needed a minion. So they freed the Canaanite slave. Right, because to do a mitzvah, then you're allowed to. You're not allowed to free a slave for no reason, but for the sake of a mitzvah, so too here. For the sake of, of avoiding all these prohibitions, the young uh, Jews were, were all sinning with her. So therefore, to prevent the transgression, the Torah allows you. disagrees. No, doesn't Abayah agree with this? That for the sake to avoid a prohibition, prohibition, you would be allowed to free her. And the coffee was said, Abba, we continue on 38b, and they forced the master, the remaining master of Asabas Chedin, to free her. Why? The reason why they forced the master to free her, the other master to free the next 50%, they should become fully free, a full fledged Jewish, meaning Hefkin Because she was stuck. 
She couldn't marry anyone. She couldn't marry a Jew because she was a half-slave. She couldn't marry a fellow slave, a fellow Canaanite, because she was half-free. So she, she was open for promiscuity. I mean, she was stuck. So therefore, they forced the, the remaining master to free her. So we see, so we see that in, in, to avoid the prohibition, there's no prohibition of freeing a slave. Mother says, no, how could you compare the two? She was stuck. She couldn't marry anyone. So it's, it's an Ahmadis on her. We have to help her. So in that case, we give permission, we allow the master to free her. Here, you have an option. Why do you have to free her? You're saying that she's promiscuous. Let her marry a fellow a slave. Let her get married. She can marry a, a fellow a Canaanite slave. So therefore, Abaya holds that there's no excuse, there's no reason to allow her to be free. That's what he said. If, if not for the Taita prohibiting from freeing, then I would free her. But now I can't. My hands are tied because the Taita says you're not allowed to free emancipate the Canaanites. Uh, now we quote the text itself. Anyone who frees a Canaanite, an non-Jewish slave, violates a positive mitzvah. It says you should always, it has to be forever. Your children inherit the slave, and their children you inherit forever. I'll ask you a question. Once happened, came to Shul. There was no minion. There was nine people. So what did he do? He freed the slave. So now he become a full-fledged Jew, and now he can join the minion. He added the minion. We also went to the mikveh, he was circumcised, he's obligated in all the mitzvahs that a woman is obligated. So all you need is to free him, so he set him free. So how could he do it if he violated a mitzvah? You're not allowed to free a slave. So it says mitzvah shiny. Again, you can't free for no reason, but if in order to fulfill a mitzvah, even the mitzvah, rabbinic mitzvah, the daven with a minion, is a rabbinic mitzvah. But here, even a rabbinic mitzvah, but in order to do a public mitzvah, like a minion, which is in public, even allowed to do, you'll violate a, a mitzvah in the Torah in order to fulfill a rabbinic mitzvah. The Ramban says different. Ramban says that oh, the yeah. prohibition in the Torah is only to free him out of kindness. You know, just want to free him. Right. But if you're freeing him for any other reason, you have other reasons to free him. Right. You're allowed to. There's no prohibition. You have to. Uh, Let's say you want to, kindness, let's, yeah, it's just out of kindness, not allowed to. But if it's a, you want to do a favor, or you have a justifiable reason, then you're allowed to. So therefore, any reason you have is to help a minion. I'm not just doing it out of kindness. It was a reason. There's a justifiable reason that I needed to do it. Therefore, there's no prohibition. So it doesn't matter. It's rabbinic, biblical. It's not even. That's not the issue. Found the when the rabbis learn says mem rishus. says. When the Torah says you should, you should, uh, they should be a slave to you forever. Look them forever. It's yeah. it's permission. Torah is giving you permission. It's not an obligation that you must. And Akiva says no. When it says it's an obligation. It's a mitzvah. You must. <coughs> Maybe Rabbi Lezer who freed the slave to be his, his slave to be a minion to be the tenth man. He was following the opinion of Rabbi Shmuel that it's a shus. There's no mitzvah, there's no obligation that you have to be a slave forever. No, we don't think so. We learn clearly in the Brides. Rabbi Lezer holds clearly like Rabbi Kiva. How can Rabbi Lezer himself 
say free a slave, violate this mitzvah, that's what he but answers because mitzvah is different. Rabbi says, plus as a result of these three things, householders lose their wealth. The mafki of they release their slaves to freedom. They violate the Torah. Says they should work forever. Instead, they free them, so they lose their wealth. With the side in they inspect their property on Shabbos, even though they're not working. They're not working the field on Shabbos, but inspecting them. In order to to figure out what work they're going to require for the coming week, rabbinically, you're not allowed to learn. We're just learning the Allah. It's not allowed to go on Shabbos the same way you walk during the week. You can't walk in order to do something and it's recognizable from your walk. The only reason I'm going here is in order to think about work, what work it needs, what work I'm going to do. I learned in Gemara about that. Where's that? Oh, Rabbi said, because of three things, people lose their wealth. Oh, is yeah. a git in the fourth chapter, yeah. 38b, loses wealth. They sleep away, the side of the they respect the And they schedule their meals on Shabbos at the time of the rabbi's lectures. Is that what you speak during the and both were uprooted. Second family ate its main meal Friday night because it wanted to make the rabbis lecture. So what's, what's wrong? Sounds good. Because the primary meal has to be in the daytime. The primary meal of Shabbos is the daytime. Don't forget, the Friday night meal was the manna from, from Friday. So it wasn't, that manna was nothing special. The miracle, the manna that came double Friday for Shabbos, and it was extra, that was, that was Shabbos day. So Shabbos day, that's the main meal. Or some say, you call that the great Kiddush, we say that they would eat their, their meal early before Shabbos. Looks like any other weekday. So when it came Shabbos, they weren't hungry. They didn't eat a meal with an appetite or whatever. That's, what, that's why they were both uprooted. He might have said, You consecrate your slave. The slave is free. Goes out free. My time was the reason. Because Gufe, like Kaddish, the slave's body cannot be consecrated. You can't consecrate the body as a sacrifice. You can't make them a building material. Right, or like a, a body. Like a roof no human, no human sacrifices, right? The master didn't say he was consecrating the value of the slave. Right. So that wasn't his intent. He could, he could have said that, but he didn't say that. He didn't mean to donate the value of the slave. Then he wouldn't have consecrated them. He would have said, I'm obligated to donate the value of my slave. But he said, I'm consecrating him, I'm making him holy. So maybe it was just an Iraqan. So rather, maybe the value of a slave is like a Iraqan where you have a value. The, 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 no, the Levi, I'm Kaddish He meant to say that he should be a member of the holy people, should be a free Jew. Oh, That's why Yatzel Lechedes. That's the only meaning. He meant he should be consecrated, he should be holy. 
he should be like a full-fledged Jew. And that's what his intent. And that's why Yosel L'Chedes, he goes free. He becomes a full-fledged Jew. Yeah, he becomes a full-fledged Jew. The Jewish people are holy people. We are holy, consecrated people. Now he's free. He's a holy people. If you declare your slave ownerless, he also goes out l'chedes. So man, So the rabbi said in the name of Rav that if you sanctify your slave, he goes free. How much more so if you declare him ownerless? Because when you consecrate, you can't say hundred percent that he meant to free him. But if he says ownerless, he's making, he's declaring him ownerless, it's clear that he wants, he should be free. He doesn't want to work. So surely he should be free, he should be 100% uh, Jew. I don't no longer own him and he no longer works for me and I have no financials and let him become a full-fledged Jew. But Rabbi Yesu was said in the name of Rabbi, Rabbi said only only in the case where he declares ownerless. But if he sanctifies him, why? No, why? Because Dilma Dami even though he should have said, I'm giving his value, fine, but that's what he meant. I'm consecrating him to the temple. Of course, it only means his value. Of course, I'm not consecrating him as an animal sacrifice or as building material. So it truly, it means I'm consecrating him his value. The student asked, when you say he goes free, when you consecrated him or if you, 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 you declared a monolith, you need a document of emancipation to, in order for them to become a full-fledged Jew, or not. Tashma bring a proof on Mechie Barav and Merav. Echad Zev, Echad Yes Lechitzel, get Shichrur. Mechie Barav, Av, instead of the name of Barav, according to Rav, you go, um, you're free, but you also require a bill of emancipation. Freeing only frees you from the financial ownership. Not like Shmuel. Shmuel said earlier, Shmuel argues with Rav. Shmuel says no. You don't need any get right. Slave went free and she's and, and, and is, is maiden and, and came in a slave woman and he, he didn't even need to get shikhr. But we challenge, I won't teach him from a brais. We learn the brais, I'm marked. Someone consecrates all his possessions to the temple. I'm giving all my possessions to the temple treasure. And part of his possessions were slaves, he was a master of slaves. The temple treasurers are not allowed to release them to freedom. What do they do? They can sell them to others and use that money, that cash, for the temple treasure. And those who buy them, they can, if they want to, they can free them. They, they, the temple treasury doesn't own them. They can't free them. It's not theirs to free the owner just gave their value. So, so they, not, they don't have the power to free them. But if they want, the ones who, who buy them, who redeem them from the temple treasure, they, they, they have the power to redeem them. How does the, the ones who redeem, it from, redeem the slave from the temple treasury, how do they acquire in order, for them to, in order for them to release? Who gave them? How do they own it? They don't own it. So how, how do they, the temple treasury can't sell the slave to them. The temple treasury doesn't own it. We just learned earlier. If you don't own it, remember the Gemara asked, that's how we started out today. How could you, if, if you don't, if the captor, 
doesn't own the slave, how could they transfer the ownership to the redeem to the ransomer? So the temple treasury can't redeem them. The temple treasury doesn't know them. So how do they transfer ownership to the buyer, to the redeemers, and then the redeemers can go ahead and, and, and free them? Okay. Good question. He can give his own value to the temple treasury and free himself. It's as if the treasury sells the slave to himself. They can sell it to someone else. They can also sell to himself. Why is he different than anyone else? He's buying himself. He's buying himself out. But it has to be in a, in a form of sale because the, the, tre, the, the treasure, the temple treasury, that has, doesn't have any power. They're not the masters. They don't have the power just to free him. <laughs> you pay them and, and I'll free you. No, they're not the ones who free him. But he's, buy, he's buying himself out. He frees himself. So the question is... What's the question? They're both, according to Debbie and according to the rabbis, when he consecrates, what it means is, he means that he's giving the value to be sold to the benefit of the temple treasury. Not like Rabbi said in the name of Rav. When you consecrate him, you mean to free him. You intend to free him. No. He consecrated him. He meant to give, to give him to the temple treasury. And temple treasury sells him and uses that money. You're asking a Mishnah, a Rav, a Rav had the authority. He was considered like he himself was considered a Tan, student of Rebbe. So he was like a Tan, and he can argue. Yeah, so he can he can argue. So hold you right in. There's a Brisa. He holds Rebbe, and this holds, and that, that when you consecrate, it belongs to the Temple Treasury. Rabbi himself argues. He argues with the Rebbe. He says no. He's a Tanne. He's the authority. He says no. He he uh, he meant to free. Tashma bring your proof. Tashma bring your proof. We learned the Brisa called any chedem, if you make a chedem, if you declare your possessions a chedem, it could be a man or an animal, it becomes holy of holies to Hashem. Your field, whatever it is, becomes holy and holy, holy to Hashem. So may Adam, the Bryce explains, may Adam, Adam, may Lavad He says Adam is referring to what, what kind of person? How could you, what do you mean you're giving chedem to, to the temple? You're a person. So it's referring to your slaves, that are your property, your slaves and your, your, your women slaves, that non-Jewish slaves. So it says clearly it goes to the temple treasury. Not like you said that it's, you free them, because how can you consecrate a human being? Not animal sacrifices, and not material for building. So if you meant the value, you should have said I'm giving the value. Cheda means that the object itself becomes sacred. How could you make a person sacred? And we said it's effective, yes. The temple tre- belongs now to the temple treasury and the value. Not like Rabbi says in the name of Rav that he goes free. And he'll tell you, you know what we're talking about? He means, if he says clearly, the Pasuk means, if he says clearly that I'm giving the value of my slave to the temple treasury. That's a chay. Yeah, if that's the case, So the previous... 
Why don't you say the previous b'raisa also? When you asked the question the previous, on Rab, from the previous b'raisa, that if you sanctify, if someone sanctified all of his possessions, including slaves, then the, uh, the temple treasury sells him, and then the others free him, or they sell him, the slave to himself, and he frees himself. But either way, they, they sell him, he doesn't go free. Why don't you say, answer clearly, that it's talking about over there, that uh, he said the value I'm giving all my the value of everything that I own all that I possess the value I'm giving to the temple treasure the Gemara says no in the first place we couldn't answer that then what's the connection why does the Bryce have to tell me that the, the, uh, the those in charge of the temple treasury cannot free him obviously what connection do they have to the slave he never said, I'm giving my slave over to the temple treasury. He said, I'm, I am giving the value of my slave. I'm donating to the temple treasury. So the slave has no connection to the temple treasury. Why would I even think that the slave has a connection? He has to tell me that the, 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 they're not the masters. They cannot free him. What connection do they have to the slave? The slave has no connection to them. I'm just committing the value, the amount I'm committing. I'm telling you, the value of the slave, that's, that's my donation to the temple. So the Chapru, so to clearly, he, he, we're talking about a case, the Bryce talking about a case where he consecrated the slave. He consecrated everything that he owns, that they themselves belong to the temple. The in addition, the Bryce, the previous Bryce says, you sell them to others. And others free him. How could others free him? What's selling? It doesn't belong to you. I never gave my slave to the temple treasury. It's my slave. All I said was I'm going to give his value and make a donation of that value of money, that amount of money to the temple treasury. You're selling him to others? It's my slave. Who, who, what, you, what connection do you have to who put you in a position to sell him? And those who buy him have the right to free him? What, what free him? What are you talking about? He's my slave. I never relinquished him. I never gave him to anyone. Vesu, in addition, Rebbe Exactly. says, that he can pay himself, he can redeem himself. It's like selling to him. Vila Dami. If, if he just, all the owner said is that I'm giving his value in the marketplace to the temple treasury, what do you mean? Who's selling the slave to himself? He can buy himself, he free himself. What are you talking about? Who's selling? No one sold him. No one. <laughs> so obviously the previous bride is talking about he consecrated the slave itself. That was the question. And that's what he had to say. That Rab argues with that. So when we talk about this, continue to have a good Shabbos, everyone.